just like in school, whether it's high school, junior high, whatever it might be, I think that we have a common uh, desire as humans to be where the party is at. We have a desire to not be missing out on the fun. A lot of people refer to this as FOMO, fear of missing out. And I think a lot of times as retailers, that FOMO, if you will, does not necessarily go away. I think that as retailers, we have a desire and a want to be where the party's at, whether that is your individual store whether whether that is your individual industry, whether that is your uh, whatever it might be, your city, your town, your your state, I think that we have a desire to be where the party's at. And the problem is, as retailers, from a perhaps nationwide viewpoint, I think there is a large facet of excitement around technology and a huge uh, desire to write articles about e-commerce and the change in the industry and the change of the world. It's not fun to talk about the blue-collar hardware stores and lumber yards and, and boutiques and, and restaurants, maybe the old staunchy industry that is just still around in America and is alive and well. Well, in this episode, I didn't talk to a exciting columnist or, or anything like that. I talked to a man by the name of Ron Thurston. And what he is on a mission to do is to make retailers, and not necessarily business owners, but also retailers as far as people that work in retail, he is trying to get people excited about retail again. His mission is to to not feel like you're missing out on some other industry or feel like you're missing out because you don't have the next clothing brand or, or, or online e-commerce business or something like that. His mission is to make retailers proud of what they do. So what he has ventured out on here recently is he is taking an Airstream and interviewing retailers across America. And is going to try to re-energize the retail industry in the United States. So without looking at the latest Inc. Magazine article or entrepreneur.com or, or whatever it might be that might be talking about the latest and greatest technology or whatever, Ron is going as the boots on the ground and is going to get a pulse on the retail industry across the United States. So we, I am talking to him today about how he feels the retail landscape is in America today, and he is going to get you pumped up about retail. Hello and welcome to the Better Business Podcast, the podcast that helps you improve your family-owned retail business. My name is Steve Cook. I'm a third-generation business owner, and with the things I've learned and talk about on this show, I've taken my family's retail business to over $10 million in sales. Now let's get to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Better Business Podcast. My guest today is a man by the name of Ron Thurston. He is a highly accomplished retail leadership executive, board advisor, and an Amazon best-selling author with an extensive experience leading retail operations. 
for America's most prominent brands in 2021 and 2022. Ron was named one of the top 100 retail influencers globally and is a board member of Goodwill. In 2022, Ron is launching his audio and video platforms for a year-long tour called Retail in America, which is live from an Airstream trailer to discover the real retail heroes all across the country. So, Ron, I want to thank you first for being on. And secondly, um, tell me about how did you even come up with uh, getting getting the uh, organization of this this retail tour going? Wow. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, And we are sitting here live in the Airstream as we speak today. I'm actually in Nashville, (laughs) Tennessee, um, sitting on the beautiful lake. You know, so part of living remotely now permanently is you get to choose your view. Uh, And so the back of the Airstream is is parked on a lake. And so the bedroom look last week looked out into the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. Today it's on a lake in Nashville. And so not only part of the the tour is celebrating retail, but it's seeing the beauty of this country, which, you know, just a few weeks in has been really beautiful to see. Uh, And so to answer your question, the tour really came as an entire year of planning to think about, you know, after, uh, so my book Retail Pride came out in October of 2020, and I was still vice president of stores um, for a brand called Intermix, um, which is a 30 plus year old, originally family owned brand. Two brothers started this um, women's luxury family business and and grew 35 years later, still a very important business. So I was the vice president of stores for that company and, and had this book come out and but by mid 2022, the I mid 2021, excuse me, I wanted to think about how to take this idea of celebrating retail and this the ideas, the concepts from Retail Pride, and take that on the road and turn it into a year long tour, which turned into well, can I um, could this be sponsored? So I have some incredible. Um, brands behind me like Spotify Advertising, KWI, which is a POS solution, e-com, um, Omni solution, and Ubic, which is one of the biggest um, training platforms for retail in the world. And so oh, these so brands cool. behind me could say, well, we want to help you make sure that frontline retail is at the forefront of every conversation we have. And that is something that's never been done. And I'm I'm here to do it in person in cities all across the country. That's super cool. And kind of the, just to kind of touch on a little bit, the premise of the book, and I would assume your kind of your sentiments going forward would be that uh, we can actually have pride as retailers in being happy about our jobs, right? And that it's not just a, a high school kid job and then you just never escape it type of, isn't that kind of the premise of that? You know, it, it is. So the subtitle of the book is The Guide to Celebrating Your Accidental Career. And, <laughs> you know, the, the premise behind that is I, I couldn't even tell you how many, probably hundreds of people I would sit down. I was interviewing. I was opening a store. I was visiting a store on a touch base. And I would say, you know, kind of tell me your story. How did you end up in retail? A high percentage probably 80 plus would say, you know, I never planned to do this. And that, you know, originally I thought that was funny 
you know, we all, yeah. there, there is this kind of running joke in retail that like it finds you, you don't find it, or <laughs> it's an accident or, you know, I fell in love with it. And, but I really came to this conclusion of kind of, we have to, we can celebrate it as an accident, but we also then have to recognize that this is our career. And at Embrace some point yeah. you can't keep calling this kind of a, an accident. You have to say, I, I love working in retail. So the, yeah. the words of the subtitle are important because it's a guide to celebrating an accidental career. And the reason that we often, I think, choose it as an accident is, or say that it's an accident is because we're self-taught. You, know, you don't go to school, I mean, mostly to learn how to be a store manager in retail or to be a founder sure. or to start your own business. It's, you learn it on the job. There's nothing mm -hmm. that says that you're going to be a great store manager because you went to this school or had this degree. You yeah. learn how to do it by surrounding yourself with a great company or starting a great business or having a great leader. And all of that, you know, I wanted to put in writing to say, you should be really proud of the fact that you're self-taught, that you are f changing lives through retail, that you are impacting an enormous part of this economy of this country. There's so sure. much to be proud of, yet we often don't give ourselves credit for that work. We think it as exactly what you said in the beginning, Steve, we think this as kind of a, a backup job or <laughs> you know that this was never my intention, yet you're so good at it that that's why you love it. We love it because it's a life of service. Sure. That's super incredible, um, and I appreciate you writing that. I'll have to. I, I just saw it on your LinkedIn uh, not too long ago, and so I haven't had a chance to read it. But I'd love to, uh, love to read it. Um, yeah. Talk to me about if I if I had to pick somebody that would be equipped to talk about the state of retail in general in the United States. I would want somebody that is very involved in retail, is very uh, actually boots on the ground and has seen retailers. And I could think of no one better than someone who's traveling across the entire freaking country, uh, <laughs> going to visit different retailers across the United States. So of course your, your tour is just getting started, but Talk to me about the state of retail in 2022 in the United States. Um, mm -hmm. Is it, you know, a, a hockey stick curve? Is it, you know, flat? Is it going down? Um, what are some exciting and maybe some some kind of like downer things in retail in this year? Sure. <clears throat> so I, I love this question because there are some facts to back up some of the headlines that may throw off the general public. So there is very much a perception that retail is on the decline and e-commerce is, is, uh, is taking over, <clears throat> excuse me, the taking over all of the commerce of this country. And the facts yeah. actually don't show that to be true. And so today, as we sit here, there are the highest number of brick and mortar retail stores that this country has ever had is right now. There are over wow. a million brick and mortar retail establishments in the US, which is the, a record number. And so that alone would say, great. But yet there's been a lot of closures. In the last couple of years, the statistics on closures have been hitting the headlines. But the reality is the growth then of opening new is at an even faster pace than the closure, which you don't hear. And mm. so there are many direct-to-consumer brands. There are even existing brands that, yes, closed, 
but a lot of that were lease negotiations that happened in the 90s and 2000s, you know, 10 year, 15 year leases, a lot of that is expiring and that they would say, oh, I actually need a better, uh, the street traffic has evolved, other brands have come in. So there's, what you don't hear is that some of that is moving. Some of that is, yes, it's closed, but it reopened. It closed because we had too many stores, but we're growing in other cities. You know, retail, part of the joy of this industry is that it's always changing. The streets sure. change, the economy changes in certain cities, malls grow and shrink, and it's very fluid. And yet, you know, over right now, over 80% of all commerce done in this country is done in a store. Mm. It's, so that is also a statistic that doesn't always hit the headlines, is that the growth of e-commerce is in 2021 was 30 plus percent, no question about it. And 2020, 2021 was high, but it's actually back to a stabilized number of about like plus 14. That's so and cool. Even, and it's, it's, yeah, it's just like anything in business, really, that, you know, it's constantly evolving. It's constantly changing the way that you do business. You know, it's it's funny that that is an astonishing amount of, you know, facts that you yeah. that, that you have there. Um, but, you know, it makes me think about anything in business. It's always there's always new technologies and there's new ways to do things. You know, I think about credit card machines and pay at the pumps and, you know, uh, drive throughs. And, you know, and there's so many different. I was just recently when you were talking about that, I, I recently listened to a documentary thing about uh, Chick-fil-A. And they were talking about how they really pivoted their um, company model from just being in all the malls across America to having their own stores. And some people are like, no, that'll never work, you know. And and it was just crazy, like that foot traffic and where people hang out and where people are and how they shop even is constantly evolving. And so it's it's no shocker that that's the same in retail. The thing is, is that there's good and bad to, you know, change. If right. you don't evolve with it, you see some of these monster companies um, go to the wayside, but there is a lot of innovation um, in retail that's been happening. Right. Correct. And I think some of that innovation is technology. And so the mm -hmm. idea of how do you stay even closer to your customer? So some of that could be you know, clientele, it could be digital training, it could be digital ways that we hire and recruit talent. So there's a lot of, sure. I think the evolution of the business, the core business model hasn't changed, but what has changed yeah. is mobile POS and technology and, and how we can analyze our business in an even smarter way without huge cost investments. And that's what I think is one of the most, you know, the state of retail to your original question, for me has actually never been more exciting yeah. because you have really incredible technology. You have a workforce that is really choosing to work in this industry. You know, there are more jobs than there are candidates today as an economy. And so the, you can then kind of handpick the company you want to work for, which then leads to great retention. You have exciting product innovations, you have new sustainability missions, and there's just a lot of positive um, influence that's happening in the industry. And, you know, I just say to everyone that I speak to, don't let the headlines fool you sometimes about our industry and that you should never give up on brick and mortar retail, never question the, the importance of having a brick and mortar business because your 
the conversion rates are higher when you walk into a store than they are on a, on a website. The return rates are lower. The customer acquisition costs are lower. The connection that you build with someone and the repeat business is higher in a store. You know, all the facts add up to you should have a brick and mortar business as part of your um, business model. And you should also have e-commerce. The customer expects you to have that. Yeah. But don't give up on the store. That's really interesting. So talk to me about, and of course, like I've mentioned already, you're just getting started in this um, tour, but what are what is an industry that you are really excited about? Maybe just kind of an industry in general. And what's an industry that maybe seems like it's really kind of changing for the worse or e-commerce is gobbling it up or um, it seems like the retailers are not apt to change and they're getting kind of left behind? What's an industry mm. that you're excited about and um, somewhat disappointed in hmm you know i'll start with um i think the inconsistencies happen that i've already noticed around the country the bigger the business the more inconsistent the execution and experiences and so i've hmm. seen some incredible walmarts i've seen some not incredible walmarts i've seen some great targets i've seen the reverse i've seen some department stores that didn't execute well. So mm -hmm. I, I look at those and I say, and I, I'm not telling that there's a, an easy solution to this, but the bigger the business, the bigger the square footage, all of it, the harder it is to execute. And that when payroll is tight or finances are, are under scrutiny, big business, big box retail has the biggest challenge mm -hmm. because you're expecting a lot from a small number of people to execute on a really big scale. So that's cool for small retailers. Of course, that's exciting to hear, <laughs> you yep. know, because I think a lot of people are like, Oh, there's nothing I can do. Think about the scale that they have. You know, it's, it's exciting to hear that there are leverages and, and advantages to being a smaller retail. But the second thing to that is I think that's an insight to bigger retail that in the insight might be, Hey, the, the claim to fame of having 4,000 locations across the United States is not cool anymore, and it's almost detrimental anymore. It would be better to have 10, 400 location mm -hmm. things across the United States, and each one is individually ran by something, you know. Uh, so I think that that's, that's really insightful to, to a big box um, company, corporation, and it's also exciting for a, a small retailer. I think it is because that this kind of trend toward shopping local, you know, being more engaged in your city, thinking more intentionally about where's this product produced? You know, how was it produced? Is it, mm -hmm. um, how does it support my local community? That all happens in smaller brick and mortar businesses. I was, today I'm in Nashville, but most recently was in Asheville, North Carolina, and visited with a couple of different brands who are creating all of their inventory locally. And one of them is Kitspo, which is a cycling brand. They only produce, um, and they have no true retail yet, yet I should say. They only produce for their e-commerce site what is ordered through the site to make sure that they oh, don't wow. produce excess inventory. You know, that they're, and then moved their production from overseas and China to the US, to right to wow. Old Fort, North Carolina, and hired people in their local community and taught them how to sew. And so they created 60 jobs. They created 
this new skill set. They have a factory and they are, are doing things just as if it were 50 years ago, 100 years ago in a really small way, yet they're very important to their community and their, the loyalty to the brand from all over the world is so high because the customer understands what they're doing. And those are, I think, the important differentiating points between the big box you know, where none of that exists and the smaller scale, like we only produce what our customer wants and needs. Mm. There's a there's a big gap in between those two things. But the what I to answer your question earlier, the most exciting part are those smaller um, founder led, you know, with, with real intention behind their impact uh, on on the world and their local communities. That's awesome. What about a uh, what about as far as some of the retailers that you've seen? Um, what separates the good retailers from maybe a retailer that's not cutting the mustard? Um, mm. That per, perhaps the the company that you just went to um, with cycling gear or something like that. What what makes them a good retailer? Is it the ability to change? Is it um, something that they they care about where their products come from? Is it they're just hard workers? They're motivated. You know what is what kind of separates uh, when you go into a good retail environment? The person that's leading that. What separates the good from the bad? I, I love this question because the bigger the brand, the the harder it is to to dictate exact every store execution. But every store is led by store manager, general manager. You know, there is someone at the top of that particular store team who has the responsibility to deliver a great business. So you may have a brand that you have expectations to be really high that they don't deliver on i the person responsible for that leads that store and the Mm -hmm. reverse you may have a store that you didn't expect to be great and was incredible that's the store manager of that store and so Mm -hmm. i I look at that as say the most important person in any retail organization is the person running the four walls of that business and having led you know many brands and and many store teams it it is always interesting to me that you have an underperforming store somewhere you know it could be new york city or the middle of the country somewhere and then you change the store manager and the results get better yeah and the prior leadership would say oh it's product it's traffic it's customer it's the team there's always a reason why it didn't perform and you change the store manager and almost overnight the results get better and that and with all the same you know in, infrastructure and traffic and product it's it's always people and so what differentiates those brands from each other is the leadership in that store and when i think about retail pride and i think the power that we have at the store level to create something beautiful regardless of what's happening at the corporate level is really incredibly important and those jobs are really important on the of how a brand executes on what they do every day surely seeing all of these different businesses and um, even from your past and um, being on different boards and things like that um, and then obviously over the next year you're going to be uh, indoctrinated into tons of different environments and things like that but seeing all these different types of businesses and things 
I would imagine that you, there's no way that you haven't thought of um, putting yourself in that situation and thinking, what would I do? And I'm curious, what type of store would you have if you wanted to open your own business or something like that? Would it be in a certain industry or is there something that no, I already know what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it next year or something like that. Or <laughs> what, what would you do? So being currently immersed in living in campgrounds, I actually think <laughs> that there is a huge opportunity for, um, a different kind of experience, maybe a more elevated experience and more, um, a product line associated with it. You, you we'd live in an airstream now and so there's a certain aesthetic that goes with that and it, there's a there's a this kind of design sensibilities i actually think there's an opportunity here that it, huh. that could be a, a little more upscale that it's a little bit bigger um not apparel but it's you know accessories and it's furniture and it's um all of it that goes with this kind of you know, living remotely which has become you know, I'm not the first person to do this. I think I may be the first person to do it with a focus on retail teams, but a lot of people you know, bought an Airstream in the last couple of years and are living wherever they want to live. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's today that's what I would do because I'm having trouble finding the things that I want. That's really interesting. It's so weird you say that. Literally yesterday I was talking to a guy that was telling me about um, how he wants to create more of like an RV environment, that not just like an RV park, and was telling me uh, just like half a mile from um, the store that I'm sitting in now, there is a uh, one of the – I mean, it gets like top ten reviews in the nation as far as campgrounds and stuff. Mm -hmm. He was telling me about what some of the things they do. But it's so interesting you say that. Um what about some of the, if you dial down more into the weeds a little bit more, what tactic or um, maybe a strategy or something like that do you see retailers do that are very successful that um, maybe some retailers would commonly miss out on? And what I mean by that is, um, for instance, you had mentioned e-commerce is incredibly important to, or an e-commerce function is incredibly important to a retailer. Um, what are some things that you see retailers maybe missing the mark on oftentimes that you know is very a very good uh, strategy to do? Yeah, Steve. I, I think the first one I would say is consistency among the channel experience. So by that, I mean, you know, what is the level of service that's provided to me as a customer, regardless of where I engage with the brand? So and that's in, I, in the retail environment, too. I mean, it, not only just on, the, on a website. Correct. So it's both, you know, so maybe you, know, you think about an inconsistency, maybe the store is incredible. The team is fantastic. But then every time I need something else, whether it's delivery, whether it's customer service, whatever it is, doesn't meet the same same standard as the store. And so there are ways to solve that. There are easy integrations into websites um, that where you can chat with people in store. You know, I've used those in my past. There, there are Hero, one of them's called Hero. There are many that do this. Low cost, easy, you know, where I could toggle myself available in the store. It comes up and someone's chatting from the website. Hey, I have a question. So you're already mm -hmm. solving this kind of customer experience on a website with your best people, which are the ones in the store. But then you know, are your return policies the same e-com and store? 
do is this a channelist experience? What is the delivery promise uh, from e-commerce versus walk out of it in store? And I think from an inventory standpoint, you don't have to have everything available to walk home, but you do need to have it, the ability to deliver it quickly if it's not in the store. And so yeah. where I do see brands fall apart is the store is fantastic, but everything else surrounding it is inconsistent and maybe not to the customer's expectation. And if you can win on, on say like Instagram through e-commerce, through brick and mortar with a consistent experience and policy, uh, that is a winning formula today. And I believe the customer just expects that. The customer will walk away from a brand that doesn't have a good return policy, that doesn't, that can't get a relatively quick delivery promise, that can't um, engage with me in an effortless way. There's just too many other options out there for customers. Hmm, that's really interesting. It makes me think of a, um, I can't remember what I was listening to, but uh, it was a, uh, I, th I think it was a Seth Godin book. But anyways, he was talking about what would you think of the hotel that it was either Nike or Apple owned? What what hotel mm. would, what, what would that hotel look like? Well, you know, if, if Apple owned it, it would have the best technology. The people would be very helpful. They'd have a ton of staff there waiting on you. They would, you know, walk you to your room probably, you know. And he said, what is that? Well, that's the brand you're building. You build a trust with people that I know no matter where I'm at, whether it's a hotel or a technology store or a restaurant or whatever, that yep. this brand would take care of me in this way. And it makes me think of that with your brand. I think a lot of people are like, well, that's just our website, <laughs> you know, that right. it's a, like it's a different person or something. No, that's the same people that walk into your store. You have to build that trust with them across whether that's like you said, delivery or, you know, well, that's just our delivery service or that's just our, you know, that it's this this part of your business that it's almost like it doesn't exist. Well, that's the right. same people that are walking into your, your store. That's really interesting you say yeah. that. I think that's right. a great point. And and your likelihood of losing that customer that maybe you worked really hard and spent money to to attract that those inconsistencies are you will lose that customer as as fast as you gain them and yeah. so you've got to understand like all of the the different parts of how the customer engages they engage with you every instagram post you make they engage with you every sign you know, they engage it's not just when you speak to them you're always yeah. the customer is always engaged and that you have to think about that as the responsibility you have as a brand yeah that's really really great point um that's something i need to think about too uh, <laughs> i feel like we have a few things on our back burner we might need to address <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah so and same easy solutions some of it is just easy technology integration yeah yeah definitely um, in preparation for my final question, I do want to say thanks again for being on. And I also want to um, let anyone know, I'll tag uh, Ron's uh, trip, the uh, the link to that in the uh, show notes, if you're interested in kind of the places that he's going and where he might be headed next. Do you have a, uh, how far out do you plan um, things? Do you kind of fly by the seat of your pants or do you just, uh, yeah. what, how do you do that? So, you know, we're, we're probably a, a couple of months out, but the, um, 
which you can you'll be able to see on the on the website. Some of it is campground availability. You know, some of it is weather. <laughs> you know, you're 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 navigating things that I've never had to navigate before. Uh, but I almost every city there will be some uh, retail networking event or like ways to engage. So it isn't always just individual brands. I love mm. to meet the community and who yeah. who's here um, in any role that you play from founders and 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 c-suite executives to everyone that works in stores i love to meet them so yeah that you can see that or upcoming events i've got an event here in nashville um, tomorrow night with a brand called farity uh, and same just lo the local retail community coming together and those are those for me i just want to say hello talk about retail pride uh, and about the tour that's super cool. I uh, I think that's the coolest idea, um, and I I would imagine would be very successful to you know promote the book and uh, and um, just get into the weeds on all the hand to hand one on one conversations and yeah. hand to hand combat. And, you know, I think that that's that's really that's really cool. I'm sure it's a ton of work too. Um, so congrats Thank on you. that. Um, final question I like to ask everybody at the end is. Um, we usually typically have experts in retail or, you know, around family, working with family dynamics and stuff like that. And um, especially with a retail person like you that has had years of experience in retail and around retail, I think that it would be very valuable to boil all of the information you have into one piece of advice um, for somebody who uh, is listening to this that might be running a small retail business or a family-owned retail business. If you had to boil all of the information you have with the experiences you've drawn from on the last few years, what piece of advice would you give that person to better their business? Hmm. I would say um, don't, don't give up when it's hard. And I say that because there are really hard days in this business and there are challenging weeks, there are challenging customers. There are challenging product deliveries. Uh, there are challenging landlords. I mean, the list goes on. And this is a really hard business. But the return on that from the impact you have on careers and people's financial trajectory and, and, and the economy and your local community is so rewarding that sometimes you just want to give up. And I would say don't give up when it's hard because those those days will come but the joy of this business uh every day that i've been doing it for 35 plus years has given me the the greatest gift of my life this industry if you came into this uh disappointed in this state of retail in 2022 i think that you'll be uh, a little bit more encouraged uh throughout listening to this and definitely if you're having a rough time lately rough year rough two years whatever it might be uh hopefully you're a little bit more encouraged by listening to this ron thank you so much for being on thanks steve it was a pleasure